Welcome everyone to Business Growth on Purpose. My name is Jose Palomino. I'm CEO of Value Prop Interactive. And it is my great pleasure every week to be interviewing experts from around the world, owners of other B2B businesses, and sometimes just sharing some of my personal insights from decades of helping businesses grow on purpose. Thanks for joining us and enjoy the episode. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Manufacturing Masters podcast. And today, do I have a treat for you? Jose Palomino is the founder and CEO of Value Prop Interactive. Through their Learn to Do program, business owners and operators learn to gain control of their revenue and profits once and for all. And let me tell you what, if you think you know it all, you got to listen to Jose you'll uh, you'll have some epiphanies, let's just say, and um, be motivated to maybe do something a little different. He's also the podcast host of the Business Growth on Purpose podcast. They've got over 220 episodes, so I highly recommend you subscribe. He's an adjunct professor at Villanova University. He's a speaker, and he's a really amazing human. And in this episode, we're going to unpack four things that are going to help you realize that you need a strategy even if your orders are up 20% year over year. And we'll get into that in just a minute. So everybody, here we grow. So glad you're here, Jose. We have so much to talk about today. We could literally cover I don't know, 30 different subjects, but today we decided to focus on one really important thing that you've identified manufacturers are, they may not know they're challenged with it right now, but they are. So today we're going to talk about who needs a strategy when my orders are up 20% year over year. Let's jump into that. Oh, absolutely. How how do we help them? Yeah, well, you know what, what's interesting about that, and, and I've just seen it, especially the last two years, coming after you know the 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 initial, uh, the world the the the, uh, the world is ending kind of fear of COVID, and then coming out the other side, supply chains are backed up, a lot of orders are backed up, and so a lot of people in manufacturing, especially contract manufacturing, but not just OEMs as well, they start getting a lot of orders. So it's kind of like right a little bit before that you saw this happen in the used car industry where every used car dealer thought they became marketing geniuses overnight <laughs> because they were getting premiums and they were, they couldn't keep uh, things on the lot long enough. And 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 so the, the, the issue about who needs a strategy is this, especially when things are good. I think it's the best time to start thinking about your business strategically because it's possible you're growing 20% because you are a marketing genius. And you figured out and cracked the code, but also when you look at your whole peer set and they're all doing the same, you realize that you're benefiting from the rising tide. Great, happy, happy, you know, because let's face it, the tide goes down, we all suffer a bit too. So, so you get it on both sides. But if the tide is rising, then you have to think about how are you taking advantage of that rising tide, right? So, and 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 there's a couple, and, and also how are you maybe making some decisions or avoiding making decisions because it feels good right now. It's great when more orders are coming right. in and you can handle, right? You say, I can't staff enough for this and so on. But I remember talking to one manufacturer 
And I said, yeah, things were booming. We added another 20,000 square feet. We bought some additional machines. We hired a bunch of people. And what they were doing was they were manufacturing PPE. And, uh, and so, of course, that got dry really fast. And all of a sudden, and I remember it was almost like a lament the way he said it. He said, Jose, I, I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden, some of these big companies, and they were like major name brands, were canceling their POs. And I said, yeah, because big, big procurement will make sure they have those cancellation clauses built right into that PO. No, no harm, no foul from their point of view. And now he's overextended and frankly, very afraid. Now, perhaps somebody listening now say, no, I'm in the midst of 20% growth year over year. It's, it's happy times. Then I would challenge with this thing because there's four strategic things you want to get out of your business, kind of big picture. Well, certainly one is growth, right? Top, top line revenue. You need, you need revenue to do anything, right? So you need sales. Yep. So that 20% year of growth, it's like, check, you got sales. Things are good. The second thing, though, is margin. Are you enjoying the margin, the real operating margins you're looking for? And, and that's a real challenge because in, in high growth, trying to meet the demand, high likelihood, you're adding capacity, you're adding staff, or you're adding overtime hours. So, and maybe you you think, well, I can charge, I'm charging 10% more, but maybe your cost went up 30%. And, and really looking at that. So, you know, top line growth with OPEX following it on a parallel line doesn't make you richer. It actually just increases your risk exposure. So that's one thought, right? So just really getting top line to go is great. And maybe the rising tides has done that. Maybe you made some good moves at the same time. So you're really doubling down on that. Amen. But check your margin and say, am I getting the right value? I recently consulted with a firm in a in somewhat different industry, but the same principle. And they, they offered a very specialized service and they were closing at, you know, I don't know, 80% close rate. And I said, well, you're not charging enough. And it, because they were very proud and rightly so, 80% yeah. close rate, you know, it's like, hey, we're really good at selling, right? And, and yes, you are, but maybe a little too good. And so, so just really take a look at that. So th just think about it if you're listening to this and saying, okay, yeah, we're closing left and right. Everything is coming our way. I'm saying, mm, well, maybe you don't want to. Maybe, you know, really look at your, at your value streams and see where the margin is coming from. So I can't emphasize enough, margin is king. It's where you have to start. Everything pivots on margin, right? Because you cannot make more profitability than your margin gives you to start with, right? Everything's going to shave off of that. Now, that seems obvious. And anyone operating a business for, you know, 20 years said, well, you know, Jose, come on, that's ridiculous. I've, I've been in it. I've seen it where companies aren't really looking at the market basket of the various things they offer a particular customer. So like the blended margin from customer X. And they're actually doing things and, and it drives me crazy every time I hear it. Like, I know we're not making any money on that, but we're doing that to keep our staff together. I'm saying, really? Is that is that why you put your house on the line? Is that why you you signed that EIDL with, with the SBA? Which, by the way, has really long hooks and you're not getting out of that under any circumstance. Um, I don't think that's the right way to think about it. So really look at margin because it is a tell. Sales are a tell, but margin is a tell that your value proposition is strong. If you don't have a strong value proposition, your margins will reflect that. It means, oh, you're a commodity. 
So if everybody in your industry for a particular service or a particular type of part is enjoying 30 points, let's just say round numbers, right? To say, and you're enjoying 29 to 30 points, you say, well, good. Well, I'm saying, well, what, what are you missing that you could be getting 35% instead on gross margin? Maybe there's a service level you're not offering. You're not thinking that through. So again, these are all strategic questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of you might say, well, listen, my hair's on fire right now. I'm just keeping up. I, I hear that. But you got to put the pause button somewhere because this window, this moment of the orders are flowing in, especially in manufacturing, um, history just tells us it's not going to be forever, right? It's it just not. I mean, we went, you know, we went to 9-11 and then we hit the Great Recession, then another mini recession, and then we had, you know, a pandemic all in 20 years. I mean, and these are global events. And that's the other And a, and a war breaks out in, the, in Ukraine, right? So mm-hmm. all of those things just tell us we're so connected that you cannot count on a wave being a permanent wave. That's not the way to plan. So you have to really think about that. So, so I think, Allison, those are the first two things. There's, there's a few others, but those are the first two things that come to mind as reasons why you have to think, take a step back and start asking some tough questions and not just assume that the goodness is just going to keep flowing as goodness or that you necessarily were so brilliant in making it happen. Uh, it may not have been you. So, okay. So for everybody listening, you can already tell that uh, this is like a master class in a, a 10 minute window so far. And we've only covered your first two points. And I know we have two more. So I say we just keep rolling. And then I have a couple questions to pose for you, uh, depending on the size of the manufacturer. So What's okay. point three? Let's keep rolling. Well, point three, right? So, so once you have mar- margin as the tell of value, then the next thing is EBITDA, right? Or profitability, net mm-hmm. profitability. That's so critical uh, because obviously you can't spend what you don't make. And, uh, and you probably, if you're expanding capacity, you've probably taken on some leverage. So now profitability is really important, especially now we're in inflationary times. That's the other thing, 20% growth. How much of that was just price increases that you're passing along from your suppliers? So again, so going back to the margin question, but net profitability is, are you, are you uh, expanding kind of like, like uh, there was a, there was a, there was a hill near my house when I grew up in Washington Heights in New York city. And it was called snake hill. And uh, we would bicycle up to it, right? It's like 20 blocks from my house. And this is in a day and age where you could just ride around the neighborhood, right? Right. In, in Get City, all crazy. Right? And- right. I can't even fathom. I said, what kind of parents were, you know, I had great parents, but who would, who would allow your kids to go like miles <laughs> away from home? Right. But anyway, different time. Right. And uh, Snake Hill was really, and I've, I've driven it as an adult. It's straight down and it's, it's, it's aptly named Snake Hill. And the kids would go down there, you know, bike down that hill and and then you'd zoom right onto Broadway. Right. So that was kind of insane. Right. Yeah. So but my point is, there's a point where you're going down that hill where you realize I am not in control. Okay, Mm -hmm. this is I'm just hanging on. I just don't want to spill out because I can I'm 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 a dumb 11 year old, but I'm smart enough to know I will hurt myself really bad if I lose control completely. So you just hope to make it to the bottom of the hill. Profitability tends to be like that in boom times because you're just you're just responding. You're reacting, taking the order. Oh, yeah, yeah. We need to authorize overtime. We need to run another shift. 
We need to, oh, that order was is being backlogged from Vietnam. Let's expedite the alternate supplier from Bangkok to bring in the raw material. Or we'll pay a premium for the steel if I'm working with steel. All those things crush profitability. So you end up with a company that was, let's say, I don't know, round numbers, $10 million top line. Mm-hmm. And they're enjoying $12 million. So, hey, happy day, cigars all around. But profitability where they used to enjoy, you know, 800,000 EBIT at the end, it's actually shrunk or it's a slight loss, but we're growing. Hmm. Is it really, you know, is that really what you want to do? So profitability is something that you have to look at again, strategically, you have to be willing to say, what are our goals for profitability? Now I do believe, and this is true from the beginning of, you know, since Og sold the the first wheel, part of growth strategy is you're going to sacrifice short-term profitability to fund growth. Right. You have to pay for growth to some degree. Just do it intentionally. You know, our tagline is business growth on purpose. Right. So the whole idea is do whatever you're going to do. It's we're not judging it's bad or good. It's if you want to run a loss this year, do it because that was your plan to get to 15 million and you're spending the money to get there. But don't do it because you look back and say, boy, we could have done some things differently last year. We probably didn't need to run that second shift. We could have turned down some of that business. And right now we'd be sitting on half a million dollars in working capital and cash. Instead, I've tapped my line $300,000 and things are starting to slow down. Recession is becoming real. What do I do now? Strategy is best entered into thinking about things strategically, these strategic levers uh, when things are good. Because when your hair is on fire because things are bad, it's hard to think strategically and think optimistically. At least this way, you're thinking optimistically. So that's the third point. It's just really watching profitability. But that brings me to a directly related fourth point, which is valuation. If you're a privately held firm, for the sake of what are you doing what you're doing? Well, one is cash flow, earnings, and so on, right? Maybe you, you're community-minded. You, you like the fact that you employ people in your community. All those are worthy aspirations. But we all know the old adage is not original to me is that we all will exit our businesses one way or the other. Okay. Right. So that's the, hopefully the good way, <laughs> the good way, the good way is upright. Okay. Right. But, but, but it's not always the case. So, so you have to think about valuation. You say, well, I'm not selling my business anytime soon. That's great, but you should always run your business. And this is not just me. These are experts like John Warlow and, and uh, Michael Gerber. You run your business like it's always for sale because that way you don't have to always worry about like, oh, we think we need to sell in two years and we got to fix these things. And now we realize the valuation won't sustain me into my golden years. So now I got to amp up sales. Then That's not the time to think about that. It's now when things are going well, Think about, okay, what's the impact on value? Now, I don't mean that you have to hire an M&A expert and so on, but you could use a round number. And I'm not an exit planner, although I know quite a few who probably would, would not like me saying this, but I'll just say as a round number, generally most a small business exits in industrial categories are going to go out at three to five times EBITDA. That's kind of the range. Unless you have a strategic patent hold or something that's really unique valuation, or just the right time, right place, that can happen. So that gives you a rough number of your EBITDA, and you could adjust your EBITDA with what you take out of the business as the owner and kind of factor that back. So you made 500000 but you actually take three hundred out, which they're not going to pay you if they buy your business. So that's, that's an $800,000 EBITDA times, let's just a round number of four, that's a $3 million exit, 
Okay. But here's the thing. This is why strategies, you say, well, that's just back of the napkin. Yes. But acquirers, and if anyone listening has ever acquired a small business, you know this is true. You're looking at a few things. You're looking at the quality of the revenue. You're looking at customer concentration. You're looking at margins. You're looking at the, you know, just the sustainability of production. Like if you have all 30-year-old machines and you can't keep up competitively, they're going to factor that in. And so the first thing they're going to do is take out these machines, put new ones in. And guess who's paying for that? You are in a discounted value to your business. So thinking strategically starts, it doesn't end, but it starts first and foremost thinking, okay, how, you know, thinking about how are we going to drive sales? How are we going to enjoy margins? How are we going to be profitable? And how are we going to increase the enterprise value of the business? And that brings us to kind of the heart of the thing. All of those things are going to do much better if you focus on being meaningfully different for your customers, that's it. Mm-hmm. Being meaningfully different. So if you haven't done anything and you, like out of the blue, you're booming 20% because the backlog orders, all that stuff we talked about at the top of, of the show, and you haven't changed your value offering, then I would say that's going to be a wave that's going to crest, pull back, and you'll be back to where you were. But if you leverage this time and say, now's the time for us to think, how can we be different in some meaningful way? And in every industry, every subcategory could be a little different. Yeah, It could be as simple as now's the time we're going to change how we do our delivery process, how we package things when we deliver. So people really appreciate we make it easy for them. Now's the time we're going to rethink our invoices. People have been complaining about them. They can't read them. They don't understand them. Let's clean that up. Now's the time to upgrade our website. Well, we don't need more business. We got 20%. No, but you're going to need more business later. And so you want to make sure people understand what, what, what your business is about. Now's the time maybe, you know what? Ralph was a good guy, but he's not really a top salesperson. So, and Ralph, and I'm paying commission and Ralph's just booking orders because a monkey could have been booking those orders, but maybe now's the time we upgrade sales and so on. So these are the things where you can have some opportunities to make some long lasting changes. And that's why somebody growing 20% year over year should be focused on strategy now more than ever. Don't you think it's easy to get seduced by, I don't know if I want to call it a windfall, but you know, you're riding the wave and it's like being in a white hot flow. It's like, you kind of, I don't want to say you lose your mind for a little bit, but you know, you just think, shit, I'm really, I want to enjoy this. And, and I think, or I, I guess I'd rather ask you, do you feel like people get seduced by that? And I don't know, it's kind of like you're in a happy fog and it's easier to just stay in that place. I think that's a great thought, you know, what came to mind, and I'm not a big fan, but it just immediately, the, the mental image was Charlie Sheen saying winning. And, and that, <laughs> right. Until he wasn't. Yeah. yeah. And that's the kind of moment that, yeah. And again, it always, it, 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 really the asset test question is, okay, you're changing fortunes. Can you actually point to anything you did to change it? Or was it changed around you? Because if you didn't do anything different, Good, good one. And you know you didn't do anything different. Be thankful. Mm-hmm. I think we should all have a thankful spirit. It's a, it's a healthy way to live. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, be grateful to your team. Don't talk. Don't say you guys didn't do anything. This is for, I'm talking to the owners now. This is not how you talk to your team. You tell your team, great job, fantastic. <laughs> um, and, and also, it is a great job to keep up. But it also means that you you have to keep your head in the good times and in the bad times. Right. That's the key to, to I think, long term success and any any really successful entrepreneur for a long period of time. They're very balanced people. They can be full of energy and excitement, but they generally can make can be level headed yeah. in crisis. But I'd say also in time, in a boom time, you have to keep your head about you. Um, I remember a, a long time ago, a client at the height of the dot com before mm-hmm. it became the dot bomb. <laughs> they were hiring people, young developers and so on, literally hand over. I mean, they, they would walk over people. They didn't have enough office space for them. And I remember him telling me, he says, you know, Jose, uh, things started cratering, but I got so caught up because things were booming for so long and I didn't let go of people. And I, he ended up owing $3 million that he eventually paid off and he, he reinvented the business and so on. He, he managed through it. He had some friendly investors that, that helped him navigate through that. But that's a tough thing to say, you know, yeah. boom, now you owe $3 million. Uh, which is a lot of money, even in, you know, inflation taken into account is still a lot of money. And so I think you keep your head in it and say, let's build for the long haul. And so you look at this moment of opportunity as just that it's a moment of opportunity. So, you know what, if you start getting more orders than you were getting before, maybe it's time to price that bad business that you were doing because you had to mm-hmm. price it smarter, price it, walk away pricing. If you still get it, great. You're getting a premium for it. And if it goes away, you don't care because you have this other business coming your way. Also, understand where that business is coming from. Is it because all of a sudden, you know, a John Deere decided they love you more or the preferred supplier just couldn't keep up? So you're getting the leftovers and you think you have this strategic relationship with John Deere. Meanwhile, as soon as things get back to normal, they have no problem dropping you like a hot potato. And, you know, that's so you have to look at those opportunities that way. So much good stuff. Um, unfortunately, we we need to wrap. And I would just like to encourage anyone listening, if you are not already connected with Jose Palomino on LinkedIn or any other social platform, please, please connect with him. The second thing I want to encourage people to do is to check out, you know, subscribe and check out your videos on the Manufacturing Masters platform. They are power packed. They're just like this episode where like I could listen to you all day and take pages and pages of notes and then take that. And, and I feel like I have a a game plan, right? I feel like I have a guide. Um, Quick question before we go, actually two, one, where would you say quickly? And this is um, probably a really loaded answer, but I want to put it in a nutshell. For people, where do they start? You know, if you're, um, let's say you're this business owner and you hear this episode and you think, wow, he's made some really good points. I need to step back and take a look at this and really, I don't really have a strategy right now, or I have one, but I think I need to take a look and and make some changes besides coming directly to uh, someone like you. Or, or, or do you think that's the way to go? Like reach out to somebody for help. What what kind of suggestions would you give of where they could start? 
Yeah, I think uh, a simple thing that any owner can do, get out of the office, go to a local Starbucks with the yellow pad. It'll take you about an hour. Get Love your it. favorite, get your favorite mocha, whatever, whatever, right? Or just plain black. Doesn't matter. And jot down four numbers for yourself. Say in the next year, we want I want to see revenue hit X. I want to have a sustainable margin of Y, whatever that is for your business that makes sense. I'd like to see end of year profitability be this, whatever that number is. And I'd like to be on my way to a business that's worth, you know, Z value. Mm -hmm. And that's very personal numbers. Eventually you have to share them with your leadership team, but you start with the aspirational thing because that will motivate you to do the hard work, which is where you do bring in a third party, somebody who can help you figure that out because you're going to need some, some, third-party visibility to look at your business, analyze it, assess it. But if you if you start with those four numbers, put them in your wallet and just always have them near or near and dear to your heart. I don't care. Put it on a pendant. doesn't matter. Yeah. Those are your four numbers. Uh, keep it close to you and, and really start thinking about how we're going to get there and be a little bit aspirational with that number, those numbers. Don't don't be blue sky like something that you don't believe in your gut. Like any other goal, it should be a smart goal, right? Something that that's something right. that's believable. But I think you could start there, and that gets you kind of thinking strategically, moving in that direction. Fantastic. And last question on the fly, I would love to know what's one thing because I think we can all learn from each other. What's one thing that you want to learn this year? Wow. That's that's I mean, I threw business, you a curveball, but business, business, no, no, it's great, great <laughs> business, business only or 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 personal. Um, I think business, let's stick with business. What's one thing you want to learn? Yeah, I think I'd like to, you know, for me, I'm always curious, uh, what's happening in AI, right? So mm -hmm. I kind of, you know, and I have a technical earlier in my career, technical background. Um, I want to really understand better how much of that stuff is. Smoke, like, you know, I remember going to, a, 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 I was judging a competition for entrepreneurs a few years ago, and it was about autonomous driving. And they were predicting that every, like, 80% of cars would be autonomous by 2025. And I said, really? I don't think so. Mm -hmm. And same thing with AI, like everybody, you know, chat, GBT and so on. It's going to take over the world. We won't need people anymore. Oh, right. Saying, we don't need to yeah, write. Right. Where's, is that really anywhere near true or is it just you know, smoke. So I like that. I think it's, I think it's going to be important. I just don't know the timing of when it's going to be important. I love that. Well, thank you so much. I could literally talk to you all day long. Um, and I always learn something, whether we just talk on the phone or do something like this. So keep doing what you're doing, man. Cause you're really doing a lot for this industry and for manufacturing. And, uh, we appreciate you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose. If you like the show, hit subscribe and leave us a review to help other people find the podcast. And if you're ready to take the next step in driving intentional growth for your business, come check out what we're doing at valueprop.com. We've developed industry-leading programs and systems to help B2B owners take control of their growth. Until then, thanks for listening to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose.